write an intro for a GeekWire podcast episode about the new Microsoft Bing search engine powered by OpenAI technology based on an interview by Todd Bishop with Yusuf Mehdi, Microsoft executive on the Microsoft campus after the announcement this week. Tone, casual, format, paragraph, length, short, generate draft. Hello and welcome to GeekWire, the podcast where we bring you the latest news and insights from the tech world. I'm your host, Todd Bishop, and today we have a very special episode for you. We're going to talk about the new Microsoft Bing search engine powered by OpenAI technology that was announced this week. This is a huge deal, if it doesn't say so itself, because it means that Bing can now understand natural language queries, generate relevant answers, and even create original content on the fly. To find out more about this breakthrough, I visited the Microsoft campus and interviewed Yusuf Mehdi, one of the executives behind the project. He told me how Bing and OpenAI teamed up, what challenges they faced, and what this means for the future of search and AI. So stay tuned because you don't want to miss this episode of GeekWire. Not bad. Yes, the intro that I just read was exactly as drafted by Microsoft's newly unveiled AI technology based on that prompt that I gave it. My guest this week is Yusuf Mehdi, a Microsoft veteran of more than 31 years who has been involved in the development and launch of some of the company's biggest products. He's currently corporate vice president and consumer chief marketing officer for the company. I spoke with him at Microsoft headquarters in Redmond on Tuesday, a few hours after he introduced the new AI-powered Bing search engine and an updated version of Microsoft's Edge browser with a sidebar that uses AI to generate and analyze content. As you look at the history of your Microsoft career, where would you fit this in in terms of milestones that you've been involved in? I would say, I mean, obviously it's early days, right? But I would say, I think it's right up there. I think this has the potential to be one of these special moments. Um, like, you know, the Windows 95 or the original Internet Explorer, or the Xbox One. It, it's got one of those moments. And the reason I believe that is because I do think that this is the beginning of a new generation of search. I think that after two decades of fundamentally the same model, we're on to kind of a big new idea that AI and new chat experiences can transform what you can do with the search engine to actually get answers, to actually be able to have it generate content for you and to have it with you as you go along. And that's exciting. I would say there's a, there's a visceral pulse, you know, from when I talk to Satya to when I talk to anyone on the team that of like, wow, this technology really, it lights us up. And so um, because of that, I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm, pretty, uh, I'm pretty excited. I was expecting something on the lines of a chat GPT based search. And I realize it's not chat GPT specifically, yeah. but I was expecting something about a, a chat based search. Yeah. I was not expecting the full co-pilot for the web experience in yeah. a new edge browser. Can you talk about how these two things came about and, and what you see as the main benefits of each? Yeah. You know, there've been a lot of these different attempts to help people in their lives throughout. And I, we saw this opportunity to say, Hey, by being able to talk to it naturally, 
by being able to use long sentences, by being able to, to have it in edge so that wherever you go, maybe this is more of a co-pilot. Maybe this is not a bunch of individual tools, but it's about more of a unified user experience. And that's what started to get some energy. And, and so we're trying to build more of that now. And you see like hints of it. You see search and answers on the same page. That in and of itself is pretty bold, right? I'm not sure anyone else was going to do that until we announced it today. Search and chat on the same page. That's a big deal. And then with the browser. So these three things are coming together. And yet, as it evolves, we'll see. How, how does it change over time? Does it even become more integrated? We'll have to see. A day before the Microsoft announcement, Google on Monday announced the upcoming rollout of an experimental conversational AI service called BARD and said it also plans to soon roll out new AI search tools and features. Was the announcement by Google yesterday something that was satisfying or did that make you concerned that this is going to be more competitive than you might have realized? Um, you know, honestly, neither. I, I, in the sense that we had so much we announced today. I mean, there's like, it's like, it's hard to unpack. It'll be hard to see if everyone gets it. Because not only is there the co-pilot vision and being an edge, but then the underlying technology, right? The, the new model that, that from OpenAI that we worked together on, that in and of itself was amazing. The search ranking improvements, those were huge. So, and we've been working on this for a while. So, um, so all of that, I think we were pretty focused on that. And um, we know it'll be a, a fun place to be now as like a new round of competition heats up. Honestly, that's what we were focused for now. One of the things that struck me in seeing it initially and using it in the demo area was the rigorous nature of the citations, which is not something, for example, that you can get in the preview of chat GPT. Right. At the same time, it's surfacing so much content that the results and the answers are useful unto themselves. What do you say to content creators who might be concerned that people won't actually end up going to their sites yeah. because of a tool like this? Yeah, that's a great question. We are completely committed to the content provider and, uh, and the content community. This whole model um, for the consumer does not spin if there isn't great content out there. And, and the only way we can afford to offer it to people for free is if there's content that people then advertise on. So we, you know, we believe that. We have a whole business, as you know, with um, Search and MSN today, even before today's announcement. It's a multi-billion dollar business that, where we send traffic to content providers. We have deep relationships with them, and we know that. So we, we intend to keep that up and going, and one measure of our success will be how much content traffic do we drive. From the answers. Correct. Okay. Yeah. There was a discussion about advertising, but... It seemed like it was the traditional model of advertising applied to what's going on today. It's not like it's inline advertising with the answers. Yeah. Do you see that evolving? Yes. How? Yeah, it's a great question. <clears throat> so for sure, it will evolve. We keeping all of this technology work secret. So we did not engage yet with the advertising community. Today, that starts. So we're, we're in fact, we're, next week we'll have meetings with advertisers in New York City and other places to talk about the technology, to talk about how should the ad model work and how should it change. So we're gonna get into all that. But one of the benefits is what you said, which is we can take the current search ad model and just apply it to this. That's one of the great things that, again today, we can be first on is having that work. And that's a great way to get started. And then we'll learn, hey, are people clicking on these? Can they get more tailored? We envision the ad model will change in those chat-like experiences where maybe there are fewer ads, but they have higher ROI because they, they function better and they're more targeted. I think that's a likely outcome. But we're going to find that out by going into market. 
Do you have a sense for how that would be uh, labeled in line in the answers? Not yet. Anything that's an advertisement, we're going to label it. It'll say this is an ad. That's been our approach. We're going to continue that. But to your question, do we put them in line with the answer? Do we put it at the bottom, at the top? I don't know. We'll, we'll do what we always do. We'll experiment with a lot of different experiences and, and see which works best. But what about Tay? <laughs> That's coming up next. Technology moves fast. I need to move faster. WGU's competency-based education puts me in control of how fast I move through my IT degree program. I can accelerate my program by applying what I already know to my courses and focusing on the things I need to learn. Earn a respected accredited degree that propels your career in the IT field. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. Microsoft has made headlines with an AI chatbot before, and not in a good way. The company abandoned that previous chatbot, called Tay, shortly after it was released in 2016, after it was taught by internet users to give racist and offensive replies to user queries. Some, or at least one of Microsoft's past experiences with chatbots did did not go well. Um, That was Tay way back. What did you learn from past experiences? How can you be sure that something like that won't happen again? Yeah, we learned a lot from that experience. I would say that experience was one of the primary informers of the approach we're taking with this one, which is that there are bad actors out there that know how to go in and try and teach a model right through reinforcement, bad, you know, bad behaviors, sort of a poor understanding of the web. So we've, we've now have a framework in place, um, everything from not only AI principles and how we work things, but technologically how it works. So at various degrees in the architecture, we protect against it. For example, one of the things that we do, we do this today with search anyways, we do this thing called query classification. So when someone types in a query, right away we can tell, oh, is this a shopping query or a travel query or a news query? We've, we've been doing that for years. And we can also say, oh, is this a hate speech? Is this violence? Is this self-harm? So right off the bat, we classify the query and catch it. If it's a bad query, we're not going to send it to the model. We won't, we won't have it generate bad content or bad answers. So we catch that right off the bat. And then the model itself, we've worked to make sure that it doesn't get trained poorly. So we've done a lot of work to, as the model gets trained, to make sure, hey, it's not getting bad data, right? It's not getting biased data. And so we do a lot of training in there to catch it. And then finally, when an answer gets served, before the answer goes back to the page, we do one final check, and we again check to make sure that what's coming back from the answer isn't, um, you know, like, again, hate speech or violence or what have you. So we've put a lot of work in there. It's probably one of the biggest pieces of work we've done as a cross-Microsoft team, and um, I feel good about that. You know, that said, there are bad actors. There are people who are, who are going to come and try and hack the system. It's unfortunate, but it's reality. So that's why today is an important day on responsible AI because you need to go into the marketplace to test it, to learn, to get feedback, and, uh, and that's what we do. So we're on limited preview, and now we'll see what happens. When you look at the underlying engine that's powering this, apart from the timeliness, you're getting more current information into the system for the uh, algorithm, the query. Yes. What are the other areas where it's better than something that people might have experienced like with GPT 3.5 or ChatGPT? Yeah, there's a lot there. First, as we said, the underlying model, this is a much better large language model. So it's, it's, it's much more powerful than ChatGPT. It's more advanced. So therefore, it's faster. It has more accurate results. So that's a big thing. And we tuned it for search. So right off the bat, even if you use this with current things, 
you're going to see different, better answers here. Then we took our knowledge of what the web and Bing index, like you mentioned, and we applied that to the AI model. So we're able to feed it better queries. Um, before we ask the model to answer something, we can use our knowledge of Bing to understand, hey, what kind of query is this? What would be helpful from the web that we could inform the model? So then you're going to get better answers there. And some of that is, well, we have timely data because we crawl the web every day. Um, if there's a news event that happened last night, it's in the model. When an answer comes back, you're going to get timely data. That is both a benefit, but it also helps make sure the answers are better. We have geolocation. So we understand, oh, where is this thing located? And we can do a better job there. So there's a lot in there to give you a better result. Some of the use cases that you cited today were like travel. And then the one that actually seemed really compelling to me was the whole idea of, will this piece of furniture fit in my car? Yeah. I was waiting for it to actually work, though. I guess yeah. that was sort of a truth in well, advertising I, moment for you. I picked, I picked one that wouldn't work, but there are many where they, they do work. Yeah, I picked that one just to make a point that even if it doesn't work, like if you read the answer closely, it says, for sure, if you don't fold the seats down, this is never going to fit, which is helpful because if you're bringing a buddy to try and like move it, you're like, well, no, you can't, you can't come because it won't fit. And, and this one actually is personal to me because I was uh, moving my son in to you know, school and we literally, we went to Ikea and we bought a piece of furniture and we, were, we had to rush to get back and it was a rental car. So we had no idea. And it, he ended up sitting with his knees on his chest in the car. And I remember thinking, man, if I could answer that question in advance with Bing, That'll help us a lot. So there are other pieces of furniture in cars where it will actually give you an answer? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was searching just yesterday to try and figure out if I could still access the Peloton browser uh, okay. underneath the interface if I canceled my subscription, which is probably revealing too much about me. Yeah. But it took me about 10 minutes to yeah. figure it out. I had to find a Reddit, okay. a yeah, subreddit, somebody asking the same question and then sift through the answers. So I tried it yeah. and it came back in, in the Bing experience it took a little reading. You know, I had to read two paragraphs, yeah. but it was within 30 seconds. Awesome. Are there other use cases that have really stood out, either things that you've done in your testing or you've heard from people using it internally? There's so many. One of the things that this process is reminding me is that each of us have queries that matter to us. And so whenever I ask people, they're like, oh, I got lit up by these queries. And someone said, oh, I got lit up by these queries. So it, it really depends. And uh, But I, we've seen a lot of them. To what extent can you explain the metrics that you've seen internally and can you project from those metrics in terms of the engagement, yeah. what types of usage patterns, usage increases you might see once this rolls out widely? Yeah, it's, it's still too early. Okay. Yeah, it's still too early. We did, not, we did not go that broad as well to keep it um, secret before we launched. What I guess what I could say is the people who have been using it, it's like an addictive thing. They're just using the, they're using the service all the time, asking it questions, working it a lot. So... But I don't want to draw too many conclusions from that because, you know, that's, that's a biased sample of people who are testing it and using it. And let's see what happens when we go to the market. Coming up, where Microsoft could be headed next with AI. I also, in the demo area, had them call up Microsoft Word online. Yeah. And it actually worked really well with the Discover sidebar yeah. to compose yeah. and then copy it over. Yeah. You didn't even talk about that. Right. I, maybe that's just an unintended consequence of the fact that this is going to work across the web. Yeah. Is that 
in your thought process in terms of the integration with Office Online? Yeah, I think this I think this will help a lot. And you know, look, today is about search, but we have other ideas as well, right? On how to improve all of our products. And so, you know, over time, there'll be more things that we'll we'll talk about. The OpenAI partnership from a product development standpoint hasn't really been discussed, at least that I've heard. Clearly, there's a deep connection on the technical underpinnings, the Azure supercomputer and everything to do with training these large language models. To what extent does OpenAI interact with you in terms of the actual user-facing product in cases like this? Uh, you're saying from a, from a product development standpoint? Yes, exactly. Yeah, we worked a lot on this on this release. I mean, everything from, like we said, we, did, we built the model that was tuned for search. They know we've been working on search, so we worked a lot together. They, they've seen it. Um, they knew what we were trying to do, so we were feeding queries to them, to the model. So they were very involved in this one around. When we started, I was asking you about some of your history with this. And I, you even worked on the Internet Explorer team That's in right. the 90s. And then you went on to MSN and Live Search. And yeah. so, I mean, this has been a long yeah. journey for you. That's right. How does this feel for you to get this out there? And it sounds like you think this time will be different in terms of making a real impact in search. Can you yeah. just reflect on that? We've had a lot of these ambitions. Like when we launched Bing, the original Bing, we had this idea of a decision engine, if yeah. you recall. And uh, Sachi and I were working together on that at that time. And we're like, this is the right idea. But the technology wasn't there to be able to actually turn that into a decision engine. Like we could do it for some queries, but we couldn't fire it general purpose. And today is kind of fun because today we might be able to actually now with the power of AI and some of these experiences, we might actually be able to achieve some of that vision. So it's exciting. You're making significant amounts of revenue now on search and news advertising, like $12 billion last year, if I added it up right, over the last 12 months. And yet you're competing against somebody who's more successful in search and advertising, but is actually also dependent yeah. on it. When you think about your position over the years working on what were then dominant products like yeah. IE or Windows, are you in a better position to innovate now as essentially the underdog? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, we're in... Uh we're in a, in a great position because we have the freedom to go innovate and to, to really, you know, to, to push, the, push the envelope in terms of what's the user experience? How should things work? We can, we can disrupt things in a way that will benefit the user. And, um, and it's exciting. And then our success is predicated on, well, if we can win more people over and they do more things with us, more search, then that drives the economic model. That's a whole different thing when, you know, the whole, pretty much the whole market is your opportunity. So that's an exciting place. And I asked you during the event about KPIs, and clearly you're keeping expectations low. Yeah. It sounds like that might be another lesson learned. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for all of our excitement, we're definitely duly humble about how much work there is and how much you have to learn and how much we have to earn trust from, from people. So, but we're excited. Yusuf Mehdi is Microsoft Corporate Vice President and Consumer Chief Marketing Officer. See the show notes on this episode and geekwire.com for links to more coverage of the new Bing search engine and Edge browser, including an enlightening argument that I had with the Microsoft chatbot this week. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with a new episode of the GeekWire podcast.